strange things are afoot at the Circle K. That kid is back on the escalator again. Ain't gonna hurt. Is my boomstick. Game over, man. Game over. Welcome to the Barkin' Bin. He is your host, Ben Mason. And he is your co-host, Sandra Luketic. And today we're talking 1991's Showdown in Little Tokyo. We assume if you're listening to this episode, you have already seen the movie, and I have seen this movie a lot, but not in a very long time. And let me tell you, Sandro, it does not hold up well. That's a shame. This is, <laughs> this. I mean, I, I shouldn't be surprised, right? Like, it's an early 90s action movie. I probably haven't seen it since 94. So now Ooh, that I'm thinking about time. it. Yeah. Like, 13-year-old me watching this movie is probably not the best idea. No. No. <laughs> no. I mean, this is the first time I've ever seen it. You're welcome. So, you know, it's not a surprise. We had one person that was excited for it. Yeah. Yeah. Zero Valen on YouTube thought that this was a great next choice. And it <laughs> it's something to talk about, that's for sure. Chimed in saying that the cast of that movie is great and the sword fighting is top notch. Right about the sword fighting. Um, I don't know. No, there's some great sword fighting in this. Uh, yeah, maybe if you watch the movie on 1.25 speed. Come on now. There's a lot of action in this movie that feels like it is going slow motion. Like they're yeah. rehearsing and they're like, all right, guys, half speed. Yeah. Play it safe. No one wants to get hurt. Yeah. This um, is a this is a full wardrobe like run through. Full wardrobe. Funny uh funny term considering almost everybody in this movie at some point is just not wearing a shirt. Like almost mm -hmm. every single character. It, it's shirtless in Little Tokyo. But have you looked into who directed this movie? No. Come on, man. Okay, well, Mark Lester is the director and, and directed one of my all-time favorite movies, Class of 1984, but also a movie that we've covered, which I think is one of your all-time favorite movies, Commando. I mean, I wouldn't say it's one of my all-time favorites, but like Arnold movies as a collective are amongst my all-time favorites. Commando's one of his best. Come on now. Yes, but he has... You know what? No, no we're not talking about <laughs> Arnold... We're talking about Dolph. <laughs> <laughs> Sully, remember when I told you I'd kill you last? <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> look, look, look. All we're right. talking about Dolph Lundgren here, which I got to be honest with you. Outside of Rocky Four, I didn't realize how many movies this guy was in because I guess I just never crossed paths with it. Okay. He's done quite a bit. Wait, and you have, I, we talked He-Man. I didn't know he played <laughs> He-Man or that there was an old Masters of the Universe until you guys told me that we were watching oh, it. Oh, okay. What about Universal Soldier? I knew he was in that. Okay. Yeah, he, he hit direct-to-video hard for quite a long time. But That's a shame. So, He's really good. He is, right? And a genius. Chemical engineer. Um, that's, that's what I thought when I looked at him. When he's, uh, especially in the scene where he's running outside in his underwear, I'm like, that's, yeah, that's a genius right there. That guy knows chemicals. Yeah. 
Um, it, honestly, man, he passed up an opportunity. He passed up a scholarship to MIT to act. And really, I mean, like, you look at him. The guy looks like a fucking movie star. He's so jacked in this movie. It's probably the best he's ever looked. He, I hate to say it, but he didn't even look as good in Rocky Four. No. Which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And part of it was because of how good of a villain he was. Yeah, he's fantastic. That movie is wonderful. But he, honestly, he's not even really a villain in that movie. He's just doing what his government is telling him to do. Mm, I mean, how much remorse did he show when he killed Apollo? Well, that's a good point. Uh, if he dies, he dies. Come on, man. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I, I retract that statement. All right, let's get into Showdown in Little Tokyo. We've talked about Arnold. We've talked about other Dolph movies. Why don't we talk about this Dolph movie? <laughs> yeah, don't even mention Brandon Lee whatsoever. Um, all right, we'll just go in uh, with the uh, the film opening with a, a credit sequence featuring multiple angles of a tattoo-covered torso with a katana rotating in the shadows. I hated this. It's so dumb. <laughs> this it, it goes on for like two minutes. I have written right here. The movie is only 78 minutes long and we're already 235 in. Don't expect Shakespeare here, folks. It's bad. Oh, well, I mean, it's bad for an intro sequence. Whatever. It'd be fine for like 30 seconds, but it goes on forever. Yeah. But we, we get to Little Tokyo, Los Angeles. It's nighttime. Uh, our, our introduction to Sergeant Chris Kenner, who is Dolph Lundgren, and that is the perfect Dolph Lundgren name. Chris Kenner. <laughs> hey, hey, Sergeant. Chris Sergeant Kenner. The movie Thank was originally called Sergeant K. And that makes sense because uh, he should be the main character. It's a stupid title, don't get me wrong, but put the focus what, on what him. What do you mean he should be the main? He is the main character. Uh, I guess, but it should be more more focused on him. We like honestly, we don't need Brandon Lee in this movie. I hate to say that. But uh Kenner uh, sneaks into an underground Japanese gambling establishment uh, complete with martial arts fighting going on. That's the second thing I thought when I saw Dolph Lundgren after Chemical Genius was stealthy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Giant, like, six foot five Swedish man. Blends in with his surroundings <laughs> real well. Platinum blonde hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is a shadow. <laughs> um... They should have just called it Blonde Samurai. <laughs> I mean, I'd watch that. <laughs> you did watch it. It just had a different title. Yeah, well done. Um, <laughs> un unexpectedly, a rival Japanese gang, I say rival, a Japanese gang, uh, enters and a shootout begins with Kenner caught in the middle. And now, when Kenner makes himself known in the, in the fighting ring, and one guy in in the background just goes 5,000 on the new guy. Everyone just starts placing bets. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's not how it works. Hey, Kenner's not against it. He's like, yeah, that's a good bet. Yeah. Then we get Tatsu or Sato in this movie. It was so great to see him, man. Dude, two, two elements of my childhood show up in the Yakuza in this movie. Sato and uh, Al Leong. Oh, wait, no, 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 yeah, yeah. We're talking uh, Shang Tsung, right? Shang Tsung. Well, we also do have Al Leong, and he's in... He, we even talked about him in uh, Last Action Hero. He's always in 
this like get like Asian gang setting. Yeah, when I think back to my childhood, I attribute that to you know some guy who's always in Asian gangs in movies. Uh, that's oh, exactly so we, what so I was we, referring to. We agree. All right, cool. I didn't know we had such uh, similarities in our youth. <laughs> Uh, Kenner chases him out, but when they try to run him over, he jumps over the car action Jackson style. Dude, what a jump. There's no that, way. There is that was no a, fucking way that's happening. That was the third thing I thought after I saw him was, uh, you know, Olympic gymnast. Which he is. It's funny, too, because in like two scenes, maybe when they meet Brandon Lee's character and Dolph Lundgren's character. Brandon Lee even makes a comment like, oh, all those muscles, they're going to slow you down. <laughs> no, no. He jumped over a car, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it does, like, I don't know how they did this, how it was edited, but they make it look believable, even though physics just doesn't work that way. Yeah, because they did not make it look believable in Action Jackson. He, he did flips, standing <laughs> forward flips. There's no momentum. <laughs> How the fuck does that happen? I don't know, man. With but style. We, uh, <laughs> I honestly, I really do want Action Jackson too, um, dude. When when he jumped that car, I was already like, I know exactly what movie we are about to watch, and I am in for that ride. <laughs> because honestly, before that, yes, he has like a martial arts battle with the two guys in the ring, and there's a shootout. So you're thinking there's you know okay artillery, right? It's, I mean, a little bit more toned down context-wise. But then you see this and you're like, oh, okay. All right. Yeah, no, 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 no. We're just doing whatever. And and that's it, too. Because, like, there are certain things in this movie that are overly dramatic, don't need to be. And there are other things that don't get referenced at all that would be like, he should be dead. He should be dead right now. So nothing really makes sense in this world. And I was just confused the whole time. I mean, along for the ride, no doubt. But there is one thing that makes sense in this world. Justice. Ugh. I mean, that's was, that was pretty good, but come on, man. Um, Whatever, man. I'm just getting into the mood of the, of the movie. Don't do that. That's dangerous. We, uh, we cut to a Japanese restaurant the next morning. And the owner and Kenner banter in Japanese, but there are no subtitles, so who knows what the fuck's going on. I mean, it's it's got to be something flirty, because he asks, like, are you hitting on me? She says, essentially, in so many words, like, I'm too much woman for you. Yeah. It's, I just, mean, it's, it's a it's weird choice. It's charming, but yeah, give us a subtitle or say it in English and make it like a cutesy little thing. Show that he has a soft side to him. It's like walking into a conversation and catching the punchline of a joke and being like, I understand that something funny was attempted here, and I'm assuming it went over well. The same game. Maybe, maybe yes. they intended it, but whoever was in charge of the subtitles in the original edit fell asleep. Well, editing in this movie is all over the fucking place. <laughs> the same invasive gang from the night before... Uh, Enter and tell the owner that she owes them a fee now for insurance purposes from the Yakuza. Okay. Buddy holding the knife in the front of the group. Mm-hmm. They, could they have picked a less intimidating lo me looking member of this team? No. <laughs> it's like, I, I see him wielding his knife and I'm like, she could take him. Oh, easily. 
It's like they realize they cast poorly and like fucking give him a weapon or something. Just he doesn't fit. We need to make him look at least potentially dangerous. And they still fit. Put him in the back row. (laughs) There's a bunch of faceless guys we're not going to see again. Just see his hairline over someone's shoulder. (laughs) I mean, he is tall. Give him that. (laughs) Um, This leads to Kenner starting a fight, um, knocking some of them out and sending others flying through the front window. Uh, I did not like this action scene. In an action (laughs) film, you should like every action scene. This is the first scene where I was like, this seems really, really slow. It, it's also nonsensical. One guy well, goes yeah. for his gun. Lundgren, well, that's a good just say, strategy. I'll just say, yeah, but Kenner grabs his arm, twists his hand, and throws him to the ground, and he never pulls his gun again. Or spills his drink. Well, Kenner doesn't spill his drink. Exactly. It's dumb. It's and it slow make motion. Sense the- <sighs> this is probably the worst action scene in the movie. It is. And there and- are a lot. That is not a good way to to no start. Like that shouldn't be your first impression of the action. Um, I mean, okay, yeah, we had a little bit in the ring and some car jumping, but like this is the first like action scene that you've really kind of just like settled into, and it's probably the worst. Also, on the on the <laughs> on the plus side, it gets better from here. Yeah, but who's supposed to settle into an action scene? It's supposed to be on the edge of your seat. You don't know what you're talking about, man. Oh, apparently. He was just trying to have his breakfast. They interrupted it. He was cranky. What do you think about the introduction of Johnny Murata here? Because he just wanders into the restaurant and tries to defuse the situation. Ends up in a fight with Kenner as well. How how do you know to come here? I'm assuming that at the police station they said, yeah, he usually goes this place for breakfast. They were supposed to meet there Kenner seemingly had no idea uh no the, it comes across as they both realize eventually that they, that's why they were there to meet each other I mean he probably picked the place for his new partner to meet him but like if I don't I just find it really weird if he's walking towards his restaurant and he's going to meet his new partner and he sees at that restaurant, the front window smashed out. There's a guy laying unconscious on the sidewalk. There's a fight going on inside. And there's one dude fighting a gang. The guy fighting the gang, probably your partner. You think that if this guy was at the police precinct and they said, all right, you go meet your partner here, they wouldn't mention, oh, yeah, he's the six-five guy that's built like a house. Yeah. <laughs> it. I. This dude doesn't blend into the background. No, he does not at all. And I'm sorry, but Johnny Murata is a terrible character, and Brandon Lee made it even worse. You don't have to be sorry. You're dead on. I Johnny Murata is a moron. He's such an idiot. Such an idiot. Like, everything he says is awful. Yep. His jokes are terrible. And poorly performed. Yeah, well, this is Brandon Lee's first Hollywood movie. I think it's his first American film. Yeah, I think he yeah. did a. I think he did a Hong Kong action film and then another movie, like another German film. So this is this is his first of three Hollywood movies in his career. This Rapid Fire and The Crow, and he did get better with each film. I have to say, but he is terrible here. Hey, credit to the people that 
stuck with him and cast him because if I saw this movie as a casting director, he wouldn't be cast in the second one. Of course he would. What are you talking about? He's the son of Bruce Lee. Everybody wants that. Ah, nepotism. All right. Yes. It's Hollywood. I've never been. I don't know. Yeah, it's nepotism and sex abuse and drugs. Don't forget drugs. I'm going to paint such a nice picture of it. I didn't say it was a nice place. Just telling you. Well, after that depressing revelation, let's get back to the movie. Um, So, yeah, the Yakuza open fire on the restaurant. And how the two take cover confuses me. (laughs) (laughs) Because Murata kind of makes sense. He just drops and, like... Well, he kind of dives behind the counter. He dives behind the counter, but like drops to the floor and tries to become one with it. But and he's got the counter as well. That's it's. Kenner (laughs) knocks over a wooden diner table and just leans against it. And the thing is, the strongest diner tables ever. It's got it like the bottom has to be lined with lead or something because the tabletop is destroyed. It's just wood. You you guys got those bulletproof tables? It's okay. And after they leave, he's too big too. He can't. He can't. He doesn't fit behind the fucking table. (laughs) I don't know how he's made it this far in his career. But this is where it turns out. We find out. Yeah, yeah. We guessed it already that Murata is Kenner's new partner, but works for the Asian Task Force. Is that a thing? I didn't think so. Maybe just in this movie. And we get the worst attempt at witty banter. And I think that is one of the worst parts of this movie. It, it's a really bad buddy cop film. Yeah. It really should just be Dolph solo. Or like, just don't don't let Murata talk. <laughs> just don't let him talk. Make that the running gag of the movie, not his shitty one-liners. He just keeps opening his mouth to talk and Dolph cuts him off. Dolph's like, no. Don't. Then give him like one zinger, like fantastic line at the end of the movie, you know, Silent Bob style. Yeah. And that's it. There Here you go. we go, making movies better again. <laughs> Isn't that what this podcast is? <laughs> um, the one gang member that was left behind is taken in for questioning. As they walk him through the station, detectives wish Murata good luck. I guess for being partnered with Kenner. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was a sizable scene removed dealing with Kenner's previous partner and what went down. I'm not entirely sure what that was unless I missed it. I um, was padding to get the movie above 78 minutes. Yeah, well, they failed. Uh, this guy gives them nothing during the interrogation. Uh, Kenner rips open his shirt, which I'm sure is completely legal and, and sees Yakuza tattoos, which sparks a flashback to Kenner's parents being murdered by a Yakuza member. Okay. I'm okay with this scene. It's fine. That, Kenner and Murata then... Kenner's motivation. Yeah, which we don't need. We don't no, need a but, personal element in this whatsoever. And it they keeps, kept it to a minimum. Like, it's it's a very no, it, short scene. Yes, I know, but it keeps coming up over and over and over, but it doesn't matter to the plot of this movie. They would still be doing the exact same thing the entire time without this storyline. Well, it's the reason that he actually makes some poor decisions during the course of the movie. Okay, yeah, fair enough. That's a good point. Um, 
Kenner and Murata regroup in an office where Kenner tells them that this guy works for a sect of the Yakuza called the Iron Claw. And what Kenner really wants to know is who the boss is. Fine. But while they're having their back and forth, the Yakuza member ceremonially breaks his own neck as a way to not rat and maintain honor. Sure. I, okay. yeah, I, I was down for the scene. I thought it was interesting, but I've got a few questions. Well, uh, more so a question and a point. The point is you hear the body hit the ground violently, even though on camera, the body slowly slides along the wall and onto the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Now, my question is, at this point, they'd both be taken off of the case, right? Why would they be taken off the case? They just let a suspect die in a police station. They let him kill himself in a police station. And not just a guy, a gang member, a violent gang member, who's a suspect in murders and like, well, I don't know if they necessarily have something planned in place for if a suspect murders themselves in the interrogation room, you are, you're actually responsible for their well-being. So there, well, I could see if somebody else murdered him. No, it's, it's harm to a person in any form. Well, they did it to themselves. Yeah, I know, but that family could sue. No, yeah, honorable Yakuza family probably is going to sue the police department. Yeah, yeah, you can. It's all about money. Cut to a car junkyard. Tanaka, the owner of the gambling establishment and the bonsai club, is bound and in the driver's seat of a car placed in a crusher. Iron Claw leader Yoshida, played by Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa, and his oh yeah, Shang Tsung, your favorite, and his crew watch on in silence while the man pleads for his life. And boy, does he plead. Yep. Even when he's a motionless dummy. Did you catch that part? No. Yeah, there's one shot. It's just the car. It's the full car. You see the crusher coming down. You hear Tanaka screaming, and it's a mannequin in the seat. Nice. Yeah, it's great. Um, Is this guy the perfect villain? No. You don't think so? Like the actor, not, not, <clears throat> not Yoshida, the character. But Tagawa, the actor. Okay, yes. Yeah. He is phenomenal. Yeah, he's got a great look for it. Like, this guy is intimidating looking. Yeah. But when you see him laugh, like in an interview or something, he looks like the nicest guy in the world. He's got a great cadence on camera. Like, he's got a real presence. He's fantastic. Perfectly cast here. Um. Well, that night we're at a party at Yoshida's house, and this is where we meet uh, Minako Okea, played by Tia Carrere, and Angel, played by Renee Griffin, who I didn't realize was in Encino Man. Very small role, credited as Fresh Nug, but still, throwback nice. to an older episode. Angel smoking what we learned to be a new form of super meth, I guess. Um, it's always I mean, a super meth. It, it's always super meth. The conversation, they call it like ice or something like that? Oh, they call it a few know. different things. Whatever. Conversations interrupted and Angel summoned to Yoshida's office. Um, there he shows a video of Angel on the phone telling Tanaka all of Yoshida's plans, being the owner of the brewery, whatever. Um, one thing to note, uh, the guy who was being interrogated and broke his own neck is there. That's interesting. Yeah, I noticed him quite a few times in the remainder of the movie. Yeah. So again, editing. You can tell that this movie... What we saw was not what was originally intended whatsoever. 
Um, Angel offers herself up to Yoshida as an apology, and after some gratuitous nudity and forced meth use, he decapitates the woman with a sword. As he records it. Yeah. Great villain. Um, the epitome of early 90s action scenes, I guess. This could only happen in the late 80s, early 90s in film. You never see anything like this beforehand. I don't... I can't recall of anything afterwards. It's just, I don't know. There's just something so disgusting and violent about this that fits in that time period. All right. Well, I mean, we're, we're looking at the movie for its time. Yeah. What the fuck was going on in 1991 though, dude? I don't know, but much like angel, you're getting ahead of yourself. All right. Uh, I almost missed that one. Uh, the next day, the police are on scene. Coroner tells Kenner and Murata that the decapitation was pointless since Angel was going to OD anyway, then warns them about the horrors of what will happen if the drug hits the streets. Um, Murata, classic Johnny Murata here with one of the worst <laughs> lines of the movie. You know, this is a weird part of town. <laughs> That's it? Fuck yeah, okay. Shut up, Johnny. This well, <clears throat> they needed the comic relief so that they could cut the tension. Uh, <laughs> you're getting you're getting almost as bad as this movie. Uh, it'll get worse. Uh, sweet. Uh, looking forward to that, too. I made a promise I can't keep. I don't know. I don't actually plan these ahead of time, so <laughs> <laughs> that might be the last one. Just wing it. Kenner and Murata talk personal lives. Murata has a Japanese mother and a white dentist father. Got to point that out. Uh, he grew up in the valley, but his mother wanted him in martial arts to maintain part of his heritage. After she had an idea about flower arranging. Yeah. Uh, Kenner grew up in Japan. Nice little swap here. Um, why? Why make Brandon Lee's one of his parents Japanese and not Chinese play off the fact that his father is Bruce Lee. It's a martial arts movie. It's his first Hollywood film advertised the shit out of that, but instead his father's white and his mother's Japanese. Sounds about right. Yeah. Um, the two go to the bonsai club where Kenner knocks out the doorman or the security guy at the back to gain entrance. I love that. <laughs> I, I love it too. It was just a, as soon as he opens the door, he punches him out. But I, what happens next, I love more because Johnny Murata goes in first and reinforcements show up and just walk past him, just completely ignoring him and going right to, <laughs> right to Kenner to fight. But of course, Johnny takes them out. So I guess Murata is useful at times. And I love that. During this fight scene, you just see Dolph like kind of just like leaning against the wall, watching, it's just assessing okay. the situation. You got this. Um, in the club, we have topless women sumo wrestling, sushi girls, and Tia Career singing. Kenner wants to talk to Tanaka, but is informed that he no longer owns the club, so they want to talk to Minako since she was friends with Angel. She tells them that they were at a party hosted by the new owner of the club, who also owns Red Dragon Brewery. And since this is an action movie, Yoshida's thugs show up and we get a fight scene. Yes, we do. Um, 
problematic again. It's decent action, no doubt, but bad camera angles show us that most strikes don't make contact, and that's so avoidable. Yeah, the editing and the camera angles are horrible. Yeah. Um, but all in all, like if you can look past the angles, it's a pretty entertaining scene. Uh, our heroes are apprehended and taken to meet with Yoshida. Here, Kenner has a flashback letting us know that it was actually Yoshida who killed his parents when he was a child. And uh, I, I've been ripping on Johnny Murata's lines here, but Kenner, man, Kenner's killing me in this scene. Last time I saw you, your face matched. That's does, not that bad. Does he mean symmetrical? Because well, he has even, a cut on his face. And his... Yeah, his, his face matched. Yeah, like... Uh, they, no, don't it, don't they? defend that. That's just shitty writing. It doesn't make any sense. Even if, it's, if it meant symmetrical, that wouldn't make sense because his face is not symmetrical. Hey, his worst line is still better than Brandon Lee's best line. You shut your mouth. I can't argue that. Uh, Yoshida recognizes him uh, somehow because he was a child. And now we uh, have a revenge element to the story, finally. I, I feel like it was kind of the the referencing to the face and the last time he saw him that kind of I had Yoshida that, put it together super more. weak. It's, it's not as weak as, oh, I see you now as a grown man. Yeah. And recognize you it's as that little shitty. boy. Like, that's not, yeah. But then, it, like, y Yoshida ends up making a reference to, like, expecting that they would cross paths again. Well, yeah, because... Why? They essentially, like, they say that they're going to leave and that people saw them coming in, whatever. No, no, talking about how he was going to meet him, like, after the encounter when he was a child. Maybe he planned to look for him to get revenge for his asymmetrical face. It happened in Japan. Well, maybe that's why the Yakuza's in the States. He set up this entire drug cartel plan. <laughs> he ran away from the kid. He No, he didn't run away from the kid. The kid went to the States, and he brought the entire Yakuza drug operation to the States as a cover-up for looking for this kid. That is the dumbest fucking idea you have ever had. <laughs> I mean, props for going in deep, but... That's just awful. Yeah, well. Uh, Kenner pulls his gun on Yoshida. Murata shows his badge and nobody cares. No, but, not uh, <laughs> even a little bit. Kenner announces they're leaving and can't be killed because they're cops and too many people saw them enter the club. Yep. Uh, after leaving, the, they argue. No, 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 no. What? Hold on. What? I, I got, we got to acknowledge like one of my favorite parts here. When... They're about to leave, and Kenner essentially says, like, I trust you're going to try and kill me again. Yeah. And Yoshida's just like, you too. <laughs> they, just, yeah. they just know. <laughs> that is good. I'm sorry I missed that. That is very good. Yoshida's... You love to hate this character. He's he's too good at his role. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, after they leave the club, the, uh, the two of them argue in what I've written here as a poorly written attempt at showing us their bonding. And I find yes. that happens a lot throughout the movie. And then it, at it, some point, they're just friends. And you're like, well, if, I guess. It felt more like Johnny was just nagging him like a, like an unwanted spouse as oh, opposed yeah. to bonding as partners. Yeah. Like, they just have to accept the fact that they've been forced together. 
But then Kenner tells Murata the story of the death of his parents, which is really annoying to me because we just saw that flashback in a previous scene. And in the next scene, the exact next scene, he explains the flashback. Yeah, that's very <laughs> money plain of them. It is very money plain. <laughs> uh, the next day they tail Yoshida's thugs. Murata says he never thought he'd work in this part of town, but wanted to work in Malibu and calls it reverse racism. Fine. I don't know what the point of any of this was. No. I do like Kenner, though. He points out that would never happen. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> and I thought that was just a wicked dig. He's like, yeah, Malibu's a sheriff's department, not uh, LAPD. He's like, oh. Well, once I again, Johnny's an idiot, because you think if he was in the force and trying to get there, he'd know that. Yes. But the next scene shows us that Johnny's not the only idiot. Because they arrive at the Red Dragon Brewery. And I have written here, Murata just says, what is this place? And Kenner goes, must be the Red Dragon Brewery. So next I have written, what tipped them off? <laughs> the branded delivery trucks? The logo on the gate? <laughs> the fact that they're obviously at a brewery and know that Yoshida runs it? All of this has already been established. And the question of what is this place is pointless. But bikers, limos, and lowriders also arrive at the brewery uh, and enter the gates. Obviously, there's a meeting happening. Inside, Yoshida breaks down how he's distributing the new meth by packaging it in beer bottles. Uh, an argument arises over pricing and distribution with one of the bikers, and Yoshida cuts his arm off, which causes everyone else to fall in line immediately and agree to the new dealing terms. Not quite sure about Yoshida's line here, though. Yeah. Do you remember it? Uh, Vaguely. I remember it's kind of like a hiccup of a line, though. He cuts his arm off and says, now you have one arm left to wipe your ass with. What? <laughs> I don't, yeah. What? Not only Do does the line not work. use two hands? <laughs> It, the line itself doesn't work, but it's also not something that character would say. He's so deliberate with everything, and it's all very pointed, and this is just a stumbling it, line. It doesn't it, make sense. It's probably Yoshida's worst line. Probably. Definitely. <laughs> well, we'll see. Oh, no. Really? Okay, I must have missed that one. Um, no, I don't know. I'm just saying. We'll see. Oh. Back at the Bonsai Club, we get more nudity. Uh, Yoshida's enamored by Okea. Okea? Is that her name? That's uh, her last name, Minako. Sorry. Uh, and tries to woo her with flowers. Uh, she turns him down, so he drags her back to his place and rapes her. While showing her the video of him cutting her friend's head off. Yeah. And essentially says, like, do you want this to happen to you too? Yeah. Uh, completely unnecessary. Uh, we already know he's insanely evil, uh, badass, murderous piece of shit. Um, definitely adds to that, I guess, but unnecessarily. You probably had the worst thing I could have said in the podcast cross my mind right now. I'm not going to say it. Good. Um, the one thing this scene does lead to, though, is probably one of my favorite action scenes in the movie. Because the next morning, Yoshida leaves the house telling his thugs not to let anybody in, nobody in, nobody out. 
Um, and our boys are watching from a distance and see that uh, okay is preparing for ritual suicide. Stupid Johnny. And it looks like she's tidying up or something. Oh, somebody left a knife out. <laughs> yeah. Kenner panics immediately and heads to the house, infiltrating uh, the gates, killing henchmen to what sounds like a soundtrack to a Dynasty Warriors game. But this movie, this movie, sorry, this scene has my best kill. My favorite kill ever. Oh, I know which one you're going to say. Kenner punches through a door and grabs oh, a guy yeah. by the dick, pulls him through the rest of the door, and then breaks his neck. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. But I'm like, more of this, please. Especially after that fucking dark scene we just saw. Like, give me some ridiculous fun, something I can laugh about. Um, he succeeds in stopping the suicide but grabs the girl and slowly backs through a glass door. Again, I'm laughing immediately. <laughs> there is no force. He just slowly walks backwards, shattering glass. Oh, God. And that then... I wanted none of them. And then one of my favorite parts, which unfortunately is cut. You don't see it, but you see it's going to happen, and that makes it so much better. Uh, holding her in her arms, or his arms, sorry. He jumps from the roof to a covered entrance of the house. Cool. But then he jumps down onto a car and did you see that quick cut that happened? No. As soon as they land on the car, they cut to the next shot. But as they land, you can tell that the guy's just going to face plant on top of the car with her in his arms. <laughs> so not only do they jump like seven feet onto a car, but he's just slamming his full body weight into this poor actor. Yeah. I did not see that. No. Um, do we get some more ridiculous nonsense after a, a shootout from behind that very car? Kenner just Hulk Hogan's it up onto its side. Then they jump in Murata's car and speed off, shooting that other car's gas tank and making it explode. One shot. One, One shot. That bullet found the gas tank. Oh, we're we're in full 90s action movie territory now. I loved it. It was going so good. <laughs> this should, this is what the whole movie needed to be. Yeah, and I had high hopes after this. And like there are some pretty fun action scenes afterwards, but like you look at the cover of this movie, you read the back of it and you're like this is what I expect. And this scene delivered. It was fantastic. Mhm. Mm Maybe because Brandon Lee wasn't in it that much, but it was entertaining. Never even thought of that, but that's probably a good <laughs> Yeah. Good reason. Um, Yoshida obviously He's unimpressed. And the leader of his henchmen cuts off his pinky finger as an apology, but Yoshida kills him anyway. I'm surprised that there was a, a, a henchman left alive. I would have thought Kenner took them all out. Well, I've got uh, a quote from him about that coming up soon, which I found fucking hilarious. I think you'll enjoy as well. Well, before he goes into the house, I love it because Johnny's like, hey, hold on. There's got to be like nine guys in there. Which... I mean, in an action movie, you're like, and? Yeah, <laughs> like, right? Nine? But then after, when they're talking about it, like, Kenner that's, says... No, yeah, that's, like, that's the line I was telling you about that's coming up. Oh, okay, all right. I'll, I'll get you to quote it when we get there. But killing the uh, the lead henchman. Now it's pretty much par for the course for Yoshida. We just expect him to be crazy, murderous dude now? I guess so. Still very yeah. disappointed. Uh, now at Kenner's apartment. It's a pretty cool apartment. Uh, he gives... <laughs> I 
don't know why he does. He gives Minako a shotgun and talks to her like she's an idiot and then leaves. Yeah. It's something along the lines of you take this, point it, pull the trigger, and the bad guys fall down. He says uh, if you point this at whatever's moving. point Yeah, whatever's moving. That's right. It'll stop moving, essentially. And she says, oh, what if it's you? And he's like, you won't see me coming. Which we've established you can't. No one sees this giant blonde Swedish man anywhere. <laughs> no, he's he's a shadow. I told you. <laughs> um, but yes, ne- next is the fight scene at the bathhouse, um, which I think is a really, really good action scene. Um, but it does absolutely nothing for the plot. Um, no, they just needed another action scene in there. But when Kenner shows up, Murata, and I, I said it before, but again, classic Johnny Murata, water must be out at the house. They're all here taking a bath. Just smack him. Just <laughs> fucking smack him. Yep. And then again, Murata says, you know, what happened at the house? And this is your line from Kenner. Uh, <laughs> look, Minako's fine, but I had to kill nine of them. It's like, he can't count. <laughs> And somehow Johnny was dead on when he gets, oh, there's about nine guys in there. Why is this conversation happening? Johnny was uh, there. He was there. there. He knows been. He knows Monaco's fine. They were in the car together escaping. He drove the getaway car. There must have been at least 10 guys because somebody survived to get stabbed by Yoshida after. Well, at that table, there's a room of like 20 of them. Yeah, but those weren't all on house duty, man fine the boys return to kenner's apartment and we get a wicked establishing shot of monaco on the couch holding a shotgun beautiful beautiful shot um kenner introduces her to murata but they've already met so i don't understand this fucking scene at all (laughs) and like they both go along with it it's not like oh yeah remember the car you saved your life blah 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 it's like more of like a nice to meet you like I, I get it. Like, if, if the editing of this movie was rushed, fine. But who the fuck watched it afterwards was like, passable. I don't think Johnny was in the getaway car after the house, though. I'm pretty sure he, like... he No, he was driving the car, wasn't he? No, he tells, he tells Johnny to get out of there when he's going in for the house. And then he and um uh, manaka drive away just the two of them in a car all right i'm at that scene in the movie right now and i'm completely wrong so uh apparently i'm the fool here however they did meet at the nightclub when they went to ask about angel yes so you're not wrong about that they did meet before where the fuck did johnny go then when kenner went to the house Uh, he just told him he got got in the car and drove away (laughs) Honestly, I'm kind of starting to dig Johnny here. This guy's not doing anything by the book. He's just kind of present. Uh, I lost myself in my notes here. One second. They found Minoka with the shotgun. Um, So we now arrive at Kenner's house in the woods. Uh, Beautiful home. Beautiful Japanese architecture. Um, Is it because... The apartment was compromised? Like, I think he just wanted to maintain that part of his culture, like his upbringing. Because no, why did they leave the apartment to go there? Uh, outside of the city? The house is out in the woods. And it seems to be off any possible grid, really. 
Yeah, but if they could have been followed to the apartment, then why wouldn't they think they could be followed to the house? Ha- no, never mind. Forget it. I was going to say, just- don't. Stop it. Yeah, okay. Uh, we get an outdoor bath scene and Tia Carrera's naked body double. Which it's definitely a body double. But that body double looks good. Yes. Undeniably. Uh, cramming her and uh, and Dolph <laughs> no Lundgren way. into that tiny tub. Not a chance. <laughs> Not a fucking chance, man. I don't know if I could fit into that, let alone Dolph Lundgren and another person. But, I mean... It looked warm. That's all I can say about that. The water yep. was steaming. Great. Uh, time for a conversation where she and Kenner fall for each other, I guess. It's all happening very fast, but short run time. Later that night, an awkward sex scene leads to Yoshida's men laying siege on the house. Hold on. Hold on. Tia Carrera has her worst line of the movie. Did, okay. did you catch it? Uh, her delivery throughout this entire movie was terrible. So no. After they have sex, she kind of like gets off of him, lays down next to him, kind of giggles, and says, "That time I saw you coming." Oh yeah. Wah wah. I don't even know why you brought that up, man. Because it was so bad. <laughs> How do you not bring it up? <laughs> I guess much like. How in the siege scene, in less than a minute, Johnny Murata makes two different references to the size of Kenner's penis. Yeah. It does not fit the movie whatsoever. Well, but now they're past the bonding point and they're chummy, you know? So, you know, referencing the size of your partner's penis shows how close you guys are. But every time he does it, it's the look on Kenner's face that makes me laugh. Because he's just kind of like, stop it. <laughs> Please just stop. Uh, Minako's captured and the uh, cops surrender. Uh, Kenner's house is set ablaze and the boys are taken to the junkyard to be tortured. Uh, electrocution on racks, which is pretty common in action movies at this time. Mm-hmm. I do like how they're um, they're using wired acupuncture needles as a way to deliver the shocks, though. That was really unique. Uh, Kenner breaks free. Uh, explain this to me, man. Kenner breaks free and somehow electrocutes Sato, allowing them to escape. Uh, because he pushes his head against the same metal that their bodies are on. So the current is stronger. I don't know. He's the chemical guy. Don't ask me. Okay, well, electricity is not a chemical, so... <laughs> this, there this, you go! This, it doesn't... <laughs> I just... Dude, no, I like honestly, I I stopped and rewatched this multiple times and I it I I can't figure it out. I just can't. Uh so the entire reason for the season uh for this scene was to get a scene with Brandon Lee's shirt off. Oh, that's right. This is his one shirtless scene. Yeah. And much like lightning and the electricity that's going through him, it's striking. <laughs> that was a little forced, but Nice attempt. They all are. Um, so they escape after this, or so they think. They hop into Kenner's car, but it's snatched by a forklift and put into the car crusher that we saw earlier. Uh, I do have to say that the sight of Dolph Lundgren jogging in only boxers and boots is fucking hilarious. 
definitely one of his more stealthy scenes. <laughs> and there's one thing the character does here, which I don't know why it's even in the movie. It doesn't make sense to me, but it's pretty funny if you catch on it. Like, as they're in the car, he grabs a shirt. As the car is being crushed, they're all panicking. Like, they're both panicking. But he's putting the shirt on. (laughs) (laughs) Slowly working his way into this shirt. Um, The car is then placed onto a conveyor leading to a shredder, but the two of them escape. Uh, I I guess it would make sense that Yoshida left. Yeah. And who did he leave in charge for this? Oh, it wasn't Broken Neck Guy, was it? No, no, it was um, Tanaka. Wait, not Tanaka. Tanaka's dead. Um, Sato? Sato. I thought Sato was dead. Who Who was in Ninja Turtles? Sato. He got electrocuted. Oh, wait, no, that wasn't Sato who got that electrocuted. That wasn't Sato. Sato has a guy. final confrontation with Johnny with, Murata at the end. That's right. Uh, okay. So, yeah, Sato leading the pack. Sato leading them to a shredder. It was after Ninja Turtles. It makes sense. It does. Unintentional reference, maybe? Uh, I don't think they reference it as a shredder at all. You just said the word, so. What would you call it? I don't know. All right. Um, Kenner and Murata, now believed to be dead, take some time to prepare for the final assault. How did they get out of there with nobody no seeing? I never understood this about scenes like this in action movies. The car is on a set conveyor belt heading towards the shredder. So mm-hmm. as the villain, your eye line should only really be going to one place. And you don't see them dive out at the end? And not even... They, they, they don't even dive out. They both crawl out opposite sides of the car and exit the conveyor belt on opposite sides. So you should be able to see something there for sure. Yes. Are they just not looking? I guess not. All right. Well, they, uh, when prepared anyway, hijack a Red Dragon beer truck. And <laughs> Kenner's attire is completely impractical. Hold on. Hold on. So as they get out of the car that gets destroyed, Johnny asks, are we going to go down there and kick a bunch of ass? Right. And Kenner's like, no, enjoy being dead for a little while. As if they're going to take time to, like, train and prepare. And they have a short montage with Kenner doing some kicks. But then it feels like the next night they're like, all right, let's go. It does feel like they hijacked the truck the next day. Or next <laughs> you, did not, you did not take advantage of that as you had referenced. Um, they drive the truck through the gates of the brewery where Yoshida's is having another meeting with the gangs. Um. I highly doubt that he expected the gangs to flee immediately when that truck came in, though. I mean, it flew through the wall. Yeah. But you think you'd be ready for a fight at that point. Not those guys. They're like, this is not our fight. We didn't even yeah, want to exactly. work for this guy. Exactly. I love that part. I'm surprised one of the like gang members who did like essentially are working for him against their will didn't just like, oh, in the commotion, I'm going to shoot him. Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. We do get a, a solid shootout, though. And uh, the one-on-one fight where uh, Murata kills Sato, like you mentioned before. That fight kind of goes on for a while, though, through numerous areas of the brewery. 
Mm-hmm. Um, great action. Uh, it's really well done here. I find like it's a shame that the story's been fucked with so much. But uh, Sato's death, Sandro. Yeah, I was afraid you were going to ask me about that. What the fuck, man? Like I'm, I'm just talking about like the very end. Johnny Murata breaks his leg, but he stands up on it after being kicked in the junk. And then Murata kicks him over a ledge into a vat, throws a lighter into the vat, and the whole place explodes. Now, I'm assuming that's because that's where they were making the drugs. But that's quite the precise death. You also missed that Johnny said before he threw the lighter in there. Oh, he's reading his Miranda rights the entire time. Yep. And then puts his own little twist on it. You have the right to remain dead. Come on, Sandra. That's classic Johnny Murata. No. Johnny is... Johnny is getting to Chad status, man. I know. He's really annoying. Uh, Kenner saves Monaco from a fiery death, which I didn't really understand why that was a thing. Where she's roped to that... uh, I don't even know what it was. What would you call that? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, it's the kind he, of setup you would think they used her as bait if they thought they weren't dead. Yeah, exactly. Um. Anyway, Kenner saves her from that and chases Yoshida into the streets where there happens to be some sort of night festival going on. <laughs> of course there is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I was trying to figure out what this could be. And I was just drawing a blank. Um, but <laughs> convenient. It's it was plot convenience. It was That's yes, it was. plot convenience. Accurate. Uh, we need to talk about Kenner getting shot in the chest here. Eh, he mentions it. It went straight through. He's fine. It's like next to his heart, and definitely <laughs> went through his lung. <laughs> no, it just went straight through. It's okay. <laughs> it went straight through. Yeah, like yeah, your fucking heart. <laughs> He's fine. Can you imagine Ishida kills Kenner and Murata's the lead of the movie now? (laughs) (laughs) It's where you just hit stop and you're like, I'm done. But here's what I find funny. Like, Kenner coaxes Yoshida into fighting him with a sword because he essentially accuses him of not having the honor to fight him, like, hand to hand. At what point did Yoshida show honor in this movie? I feel like he would just be like, Oh, yeah? Okay. Shrug his shoulders and then shoot him in the face. He's already tried to shoot him repeatedly. He tried to have him crushed and then shredded. Like, he doesn't care about honor fighting hand-to-hand. Well, it's because nobody called him on it until now. I I did like the sword duel, though. It was well done. I just... The setup was a little odd. Like, why even have him have a gun? Terrible setup. But surprisingly yeah. wicked sword fight. Um, and I, I'm sure as everybody who hasn't seen the movie could guess, Yoshida dies. But the way he gets impaled looks really bad. Did you notice that side scene? The side angle? Uh, or shot, I should say. Where the, like, the direction of the blade entering his stomach does not at all line up with how it exits his back. 
Uh, no, I didn't. Um, but I think like the bullet, it went straight through. So he probably survived later. <laughs> um, but Kenner throws Yoshida onto what I guess you would call a Catherine wheel with one hand, no less. And he sticks to the wheel because of the sword sticking out of his back, which I find really strange because when you watch closely, as Kenner throws Yoshida, Yoshida's face the opposite direction. So he gets thrown by one hand and spins in the air and lands perfectly in the middle of the wheel. Now the wheel's fireworks go off as it starts spinning. I'm not sure how Yoshida's body weight on the on the sword did not force himself through it. Uh, it would be a much better death, in my opinion. Uh, but the one we get is probably one of the most ridiculous movie deaths I have ever seen. Do you want to take it from here? No, not even a little bit. All right, so <laughs> let me reiterate. Yakuza boss stabbed through the torso with a katana, pinned to a Catherine wheel that is ridged with fireworks. It is spinning, the fireworks are going off, and then it just fucking explodes. Um, first of all, <laughs> humans don't explode they are oh, not they that do. flammable <sighs> second of all if it wasn't him that did it what the fuck did these people expect would happen when they set off this Catherine wheel <laughs> and nobody seems shocked or disturbed by what happened no. they're shocked by the explosion at first and then as soon as the flames die down a bit and there's this charred corpse just spinning on this fiery wheel they're like whatever <laughs> Like you hear a gunshot and everyone panics and runs. They saw a man explode on fire and just kind of stood there watching. It was an effect for the festival, man. It was a stunt person. Oh god. All right. Well, we get some uh, some more buddy cop banter as the trio walk away and roll credits. And my last note here, I have typed the fuck? <laughs> What's there to not know? The the story is over. They killed Yoshida. I know, but like, I was completely dumbfounded when this movie was over. Like, they wrapped it up, I guess, but that's that's how they did it? I don't... It hurt my mind. I didn't like it. Okay. Yeah. So, this was a blockbuster. <laughs> You know, I guess the uh, the budget on this one, ten million. No, less. Eight million. Nailed it. Okay. Uh, gross. Uh, ten million. <laughs> no. <laughs> Nowhere near that. <laughs> Three million. Oh, that's generous, but no. <laughs> <laughs> 2.3 million. Ooh, so yeah, it was a failure. It only got a theatrical release in the States and Mexico, Australia, Israel, and Hungary, according to Wikipedia anyway. Everywhere else, it went right to VHS. That's a shame. It is a shame. Because as fucking dumb as this movie is, I, I would like to have seen it on the big screen. Sure. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like this, this movie's a mess. 
but it is well known that Lester he fully made the movie he wanted to make and then the whole thing was taken away from him and re-edited they cut 10 minutes of, of the story out and turned it into this buddy cop action comedy which it is not um it's a shame but uh want to get into some awards you betcha i do sweet who did you have for worst character i i hope we agree on this one i'm pretty sure we do <laughs> i don't think you need to say it uh, good old johnny Murata. The stupidest cop in the history of the Los Angeles Police Department. It's so dumb, man. Like, I I hate him to the point where I, I'm I almost find him charming. Like he's no. coming around the corner now. Like it's looped back, and I'm almost starting to like him. But he is such an idiot in the movie. He doesn't he doesn't need to be here, man. He doesn't add anything. But what's your reasoning? He's an idiot. Yeah. And his lines are terrible. Okay. He's, at one point, they're talking about how he knew that essentially Kenner was going to sleep with Murata. And Kenner mm -hmm. just says, hey, she was frightened. And Johnny says, yeah, I saw you stripped down for that hot tub. I'd be frightened too. Yep. But let's think about this for a second. No, he I was don't want in to. That huh? I don't want to. I don't want to think about it for a second. He was in that hot tub for a while before she came out. So oh, you're Johnny looking... was just watching him undress to get into it by himself? You're what? looking into this way too much. There's just, I mean, they fight all these guys in the cabin. They kill, like, you know, uh, Dolph is throwing daggers and stuff like that. He's not even using a gun. And Johnny's like, ah, you know, it's like one of those video games where you just killed the first wave. And even Dolph says something like, you know, you're a real asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me that there's another hundred henchmen to go. This guy sucks. And he's so stupid. Honestly, I see after this movie gets released, people like driving by and see Brandon Lee and be like, you're a disgrace to your father. <laughs> so bad. And it sucks because... I think he could have been amazing in his career. Like you see the evolution of Brandon Lee's acting and he's just getting smarter about the roles he picks. Um, I think like this is just a dud role for him. Uh, completely interchangeable. Anybody could have been put in this role and being equally dislikable. So I feel bad that it's, it's Brandon Lee's first big Hollywood role, but this is uh, so unfortunate. The character is so bad. So bad. What about favorite character? Oh, no question. Dolph Lundgren as Chris Kenner. Yeah. The dude should have just done the movie solo. Yep. I don't know what else there is to say. The dude has amazing presence as a hero. He's like, he's jacked. Aside from maybe a couple of down lines, which maybe are more attributed to the writer, he's got some great dialogue in the movie. Yeah. The guy there, is a star. There's, there's some bad delivery here and there, though. Eh. A little, for sure. But, I mean, you go back and look at the earlier movies from all of the biggest action stars. There's a couple of misfires. And, like and not just Lee. as a movie as a whole. Like, a few lines. It happens. Yeah. I think there's an argument to be made for Yoshida, too, though. For sure. But, I mean, 
he's silent most of the time. A lot of it is him glaring. So it's going to go with Dolph myself. Yeah, I'm not saying just the acting, though, like the character. Oh, for like, sure. But I mean, very like, imposing character when he is talking and like he delivers everything perfectly. He's very intimidating. He makes you hate him, which a good villain is supposed to do. He and rapes a girl while showing her a video of killing her friend. Yes, that's what I'm saying. They make you hate him perfectly. But like it's so I found it overpowering in that you don't care who takes him down. You just want him dead. And I think that's a sign of building a really good villain. Um, I didn't like. I didn't want to see Dolph Lundgren save the day. I wanted to see someone take Yoshida down. So, while I agree with you, my favorite character is, is Kenner. I think they did a great job with Yoshida. Yeah, it should have been. Um, it should have been Tia Carrera's character to kill Yoshida. I agree. Completely. Like he's got Kenner pinned or something and then she he gets stabbed from behind and it's her. Or if you um, imagine like he gets pinned to the Catherine wheel and she cuts his head off. Yeah. I, I feel like it would have to be a little more um, out of nowhere, but sure. As long as it's not uh, Brandon Lee because John and Marauder... her friend. Yeah, no. Whatever. Oh, you fucking whatever. Memorable line time though. And boy, yeah, you started off, man. You have boy, a, lot, there are a lot of choices of here. Yeah. Uh, my favorite and most memorable line from this movie we did not mention yet. Oh. And it is Johnny Murata. Okay. Shocker. Um, it's after they get out of uh, the bonsai club. And Johnny says, well, it's all about... Um, it starts off with Kenner making a threat against Yoshida. And Murata says, like hell you will. Listen, if we do this right, clean, like a cop in the 20th century and not some samurai warrior, we're going to nail this guy. And when we get done, we're going to go eat fish off those naked chicks. Yeah, that was a bad one. And you're like, fuck this guy, man. <laughs> like that is one of the worst lines I have ever heard in any movie. It's so bad, it sticks out in my mind. Yeah, It makes him completely dislikable. If you don't know anything else about this character and you just hear him say that, you're like, fuck you, man. Yeah. Your turn. I went with the the water must be out in the house because they all went in to take a bath. Because Johnny is just so stupid. He is very stupid. Like, so stupid. Clearly it's a bathhouse. Are you that stupid? Like, just so stupid. Yeah. What was the idea behind this character? Was it supposed to be lovable? Like, was he supposed to be quirky and just came off stupid? Because they really just made him an idiot. I, I honestly don't know. Um, there's, there's a quote here from uh, Mark Lester that said uh, he was going for exaggerated reality. Uh, this is like word for word from Wikipedia. Uh, kind of a pop art thing or a comic book. Uh, but Warner took about 10 minutes out of the film, which were pretty good, actually. They changed it all around. They didn't do a big release, but I guess people liked it. Because it, it does have cult following. But yeah, like it it seems like he was supposed to be over the top. And they removed enough of the scenes of him doing that where he just became annoying. But just stupid. Like he had no knowledge of the world. No, none. And he's a police officer. It'd be one thing if like... 
Wait, if the sense. delivery, like saying that exact same line about the bathhouse, if it was done in a way where he's clearly making a joke, then it might have worked. But the way they did it made it sound like he really just doesn't know what a bathhouse is. Yeah. No, no idea. But he's on the Asian task force. Of course, because that's a thing that he had to be on. Yes. After he couldn't make the sheriff's department in Malibu. <laughs> All right. Memorable scene? Um, so <laughs> we talked about it. It was the it was saving Tia Carrera from killing herself, but more specifically grabbing a guy by the dick through the door and then pulling him through said door. Just, that is what this movie should have been. Yeah. I agree. That was the highlight of the movie. And if they kept that level of ridiculous action through the entire thing. This could very well be one of my favorite movies. I mean, even just like right after that, he rolls uh, across like the carpet and he's shooting as he's rolling mm -hmm. and it's done so poorly, but he gets his target and you're just like, yeah, okay. Because at that point you're just full out ridiculous and you're okay with it. Yeah. I, I really wish that I could see, what happened after they cut when he jumped on the car uh, with her in a, when it, in his arms. Cause like, it looked like the, with that trajectory, when he landed on the car, he was going to put her right through the windshield. <laughs> <laughs> oh, movie's over. I failed to save her. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that was the most memorable scene. I would, I would say favorite scene of the movie for me as well. Oh, for sure. Hands down. Easy. No question. Uh, we never actually talked about the ratings. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. They're better than I expected. Okay. IMDB, want to guess? Uh, six. Point one. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'd say I got close enough, okay? Yeah, yeah. You got it. Uh, the critics. I feel like that might be a little bit lower. Maybe a five. 33% man. Woo. Um, audience score is in between. We're sitting uh 51% audience okay. score on tomatoes. All right. I, I think it's better than 50. Uh, what what are your thoughts on this movie as it's a whole? It's a great movie, man. It, it is a great movie, right? It's got it's, so many problems, but who cares? <laughs> it is do, do not watch this for story. No. Consistency, good writing. It's a fucking blast, though. It, here's the thing about it. It's so short. <laughs> uh, yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. You're not, like, you're not missing out. You're not missing out on doing other stuff by watching this movie. It's a really short action film. It's a lot of fucking fun. Um, seriously, just like get a couple friends together and it's like, oh, we have plans, but they don't start for another hour. Just watch this movie. It's so short. It's it is so short. It's easy to just toss in there. It's and not have even a little 80 fun minutes. With. No. So, it's yeah. 78 minutes with the credits. And you can skip into the movie two minutes in because it's just going to be a dude flexing with two and a half. And a sword. It's crazy. Um, So much fucking fun, though. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad to have rewatched this. It's been a long time. Don't um, get me wrong. It's a bad movie. Oh, it's a terrible movie. But 
it's also a great movie, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. It's a rare, perfectly cheesy action film. Yes. With Brandon Lee. He could have been so much better. He could have been. I think he was capable of it, too. I think the consistency of how bad his acting is, I think, was him taking proper direction from Lester. Yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, like, I don't know if it's it's both the writing and it's the character. I really do yeah. think that if he delivered a lot of these terrible lines in a tongue-in-cheek way to make him seem like he's a funny character, mm-hmm. then it would have worked a little bit better. But yeah, lean into them, it. But saying them as a, str- like, straight-faced just sounds stupid. Yeah. No, you are correct. But uh, it's a definite recommend. Easy. Uh, Easy yeah. recommend. Yeah, definitely we'll be watching this again in the future. Oh, not me. I, I oh, yeah, I know, not you. I, I'm, I don't know. This is definitely a movie I'm going to throw on when I'm, you know, like the guys are hanging out or something. For sure. All right, so that was our thoughts on Showdown in Little Tokyo. If you want to share your shot, uh, your thoughts with us, we are on social media at BS Bargain Bin, Facebook.com slash BS Bargain Bin, or in the YouTube comments, you can always leave us your thoughts as well. Quick reminder, if you are listening to this episode as it's being released, next week we will be posting our um, fan pick posts for uh, June. So if you want to get your movie in that you want to see us review, you can absolutely do that. There is still time between those, though, so we have to pick another movie. Sure do. Ben, yes. what are we watching next week? Um, This was a tough one for me. But when I looked at the release date of the movie, I realized that this movie was released in May 20 years ago, missing it by a few days. So for the 20th anniversary of its release, we're going to talk about 2002's Dog Soldiers. Huh? <laughs> Until next week, have a good one. All the best, guys.